Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I am your host, Kip Bodner, for your podcast around all things marketing, growth, entrepreneurship, and things we love on the internet. I am joined, as always, by the man in black. No fun sweater today, Kieran. No, I only bring out the fun sweater once a week. This is my very serious attire that I'm going for. Totally. Majority of my wardrobe looks like this, where I have black or white. <laughs> So I don't have to make any real decisions about color coordination. I picture you checking the Irish weather being like, the sun is out today. I may wear white. And then like the next morning, oh, the weather is yeah. crap. I must yeah. wear black. I feel like you have some type of programming. We're actually crushing summer right now in Ireland. Every day it says it's going to rain and every day it actually is quite sunny. We love the summertime. Kieran, we got a fun show today. I'm going to call this show, Is Web3 Coming? question mark mm. like we've talked a lot about web3 i think you have posed some very interesting skeptical opinions about a lot of aspects of web3 that we're going to talk about today and i for one am really excited to get into this topic because anytime i am talking to a friend a colleague a peer web3 and its impact on business and marketing is always one of the first three things that gets brought up Honestly, people are super, super curious about it. They want to learn. And I want to start here because I think there was one of the most seminal interviews that's happened on Web3 recently. And that's when the two founders of Bankless Media, which is a Web3 media company, interviewed Mark Andreessen and Chris Dixon on Web3. And Kieran, I know you did a deep dive on that. It's an hour and 20 minute interview. You had some thoughts. I had some thoughts. And I wanted to give you the floor for your thoughts. Yeah. One thing I'll say to our listeners is the way that I learn, and I think you learn a lot like this as well, is to learn something, I try to pull it apart. Yes. And then try to figure out like why things are the way they are or like pose questions. So I think our listeners are learning about Web3 with us. I don't claim to be an expert in Web3. I claim to be a learner. And so I break people into three buckets, right? You're a learner. When you've actually learned something, you're either creating or building. Yes. And so I'm not a builder or a creator yet. I'm really a learner. And I think that's the journey that we're on. So I listened to the podcast. I thought it was an incredible podcast. There's a lot of correlation between Web 1 and Web 3, which the majority of the podcast stuck on. There was a couple of things that I think Web 3 has some challenges to overcome. If you are an early Web 3 user, you truly believe in decentralization, right? It's actually part of your like intrinsic yes, yes. belief, the way you see the world, the way you feel about the ills of the world are all around. Like most of the ills are because of centralization. Centralization, governments, large central institutions, right? The average user doesn't give a sh Doesn't care one bit. <laughs> the average user cares about user experience, right? And so if you have your two by two on like user experience, good or bad, and decentralization, high or low, if user experience is high, and decentralization is low, user is happy. Correct. If user experience is low and decentralization is high, user is not happy and will not use that thing. And I'm not talking about early Web3 adopters. I'm talking about to get broad 
spectrum of usage. How this is fundamentally going to change the mass consumer behavior is what you're getting at. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I don't care about decentralization. I believe we live in a society right now where maximalists, people who live at the far ends of the spectrum of any topic, reign the dominant conversation. Yes. And that is not actually how the macro of society works and evolves. And any new technology, no matter what it is, has to be easy to use. Look, the iPod is the classic example. How many MP3 players did we have before that like a, only a small percent of the population used because they had bad battery life, bad user experience, didn't hold many songs, like all of those things. I remember using so many of them and they were all terrible until you got to the right one and then you were like, this is life changing. Yeah, exactly. You have to go through a lot of different iterations until you find the thing that works. The other thing is you have governance, right? You're able to actually yeah. really be part of the community, vote in things and talk about how these apps are going to be built and how these things are going to be built. No one wants to vote. I'm telling you, no one is going to vote. Nobody's voting. This is one of your interesting takeaways. Give people a breakdown of what's going on here. This is early adopters. So we haven't even reached the portion of people who really don't want to vote. (laughs) Like, you just want to use your app, right? (laughs) These are the people who actually want to be in Web3 and want to to vote. So only 0.5% of governance token holders actually participate in voting. That is crazy. Crazy. That means if you have 200 people, one person's going to vote. But logically makes sense. You and I spend a lot of our time working, trying to build companies, trying to advise founders. Do we want to go into an app that we're using and start trying to vote on how they should build their app? No, just build the app. No. Just build it. I'll just use it. You no. build yeah. like, Decentralization has its limits. And one of them is like in the user experience of it all. I am selfish. Humans are selfish. I need you to make my life easier and make it right. better for me. And that means I trust you to do the things you need to do. I don't want to vote. And by the way, I'm pro- even if I told you what I wanted, I'm probably wrong half the time. Right. I've done a sweeping generalistic view of this to make it a little mm-hmm. bit funnier, but there are communities, obviously, where the community is truly voting, making large decisions. I think a good example is Luna. When they wanted to release the new Terra coin, they moved the last one to Classic, launched a new one. They actually, the community drove a lot of that or drove all of that and drove that decision making. So it is happening, but I'm just saying, I don't think that is going to be the reason Web3 becomes popular, disrupts everything. It's because oh, well, I can now vote on the future of this thing. No, that that kind of input is largely, I think, going to be a mechanism of community, right? right. If, you're, if you follow LinkStyle, do you know what LinkStyle is? Buying the golf courses? Yeah, there are a group of people who are like building a decentralized like country club and making it much more accessible. Yep. And like, that's a good use case where it's not like some technical product. It is cool. We're buying land somewhere and we need to figure out where we should buy land and what the core inputs of buying land are. That's like a good example. And so there are some use cases, but I think you're pointing out that the vast majority majority of use cases, people don't need to have input on. I don't want to. Don't want to. And don't want to. Yes. So one other thing that Mark Andreessen and Chris Dixon was the other person who said this, one of the things they said about Web 1 and why Web 3 is going to be a better version is because Web 1 started decentralized and really was going down the decentralization route. And Mark Andreessen kept saying the sin of Web 1 was we didn't make internet money part of the browser. We didn't make it part of Web 1. And so we had to build all of these kind of models around advertising and that just made the internet much worse. Mm. Are you disagreeing with Mark Andreessen on this? It wasn't I agreed or disagreed, but I didn't understand the point. And so like, how could Facebook have been built better if there was internet money. All right. We built money into the browser. And I think maybe they're getting at ownership, right? There's these ways to incentivize the community. But Facebook is a Goliath because advertising is such a Mm -hmm. great way to make money. Correct. And so 
we're saying Web3 equivalent is we would have users own their data and be able to get paid for that data. Like maybe that you get paid for someone to access you. Yeah. Like I want to reach you, so I have to pay you to reach your profile or, or message you or whatever that may be. And there was a great tweet from Benedict Evans who said... Which is such a bullshit tweet. Oh, yes, you're going to pull it. Okay, so in Q1 2022, Meta made 99 cents of free cash flow per daily active user. So users' data individually is not worth a lot. The reason Facebook has become such a big company is because they're able to aggregate all that value together and have billions and billions of users use their platform. So my question to you is, what... Why is it such a stupid tweet? Well, I thought it's a great tweet. <laughs> but how would Facebook have been better built for Web3? Because I don't fully grasp that point from that. Okay, so there's a whole host of questions here. We've started off here with it for everybody listening with, I think, one of the more important points of this Andreessen interview, which is the original sin of the first generation of the internet was that it didn't have money built right. in. And Kieran's like, I don't know what the hell that means. I'll tell you my interpretation of what that means. Kieran, you said yes. It is ownership related. That's part of it. But I think about it in a little bit different way. When you have indirect incentives, like advertising, donations, things that are not very direct one-to-one transaction revenue, a few things happen. One, we didn't have to rebuild the payment rails for the internet. Like we use these old antiquated Visa, MasterCard, credit card processing systems. And we had to because people were not going to be comfortable using a new form of payment on a new way to communicate the internet. You needed to only have one new thing there. And so one of the ways that's an original sin is because we didn't rebuild the payment rails. We're just rebuilding the payment rails now in Web3, if you think about it, which is a very important thing. The second is ownership. We gave all the power and ownership to intermediaries and to technologists away from end users of technology. And we can talk a little bit about why I disagree with Benedict Evans' tweet in a minute. And then the third part of this that I think is ultimately what he's getting at is when money is built in and transactions are built in, like behavior is much clearer. That in a lot of the early Web3 world where people have a stake in something, they have a financial incentive to behave, join the community, do all of these things in a very specific way, in a very direct way. And we didn't have that for a long time. And so we just had a bunch of anonymity. We had a bunch of spam. We had a bunch of things that came from this original sin. And I think one of the points Andreessen's trying to make is that the absence of money created the spam problem. Mm. Where if you could just pay to access somebody to message them, then spam would have just never existed, for example. And you may agree or disagree with that, but that's the point he is trying, I believe he is trying to make. I think that is the point, yep. And so the, the second thing you're getting at is Facebook only made 99 cents per user. Cool. You could imagine a very different system of operating that didn't have the overhead that Facebook had. It's 100,000 employees and real estate holdings and everything. It's a massive amount of money in expense there. So you're, when you're talking about 99 cents a user, you're talking about free cash flow. And mm. I think there's a better way to operate those businesses in a future, more decentralized world, potentially. Second thing here is it also values everybody the same, which is unfortunately just not true. If you are the CEO of a company the value of your data and access to you is much, much higher than a college student finishing up her freshman year. That's just, everything else could be the same about you two. You could both be women from the same town, all of those things. But 
because of your vocation in life, the value of your data is fundamentally different. And people are going to reach you differently because if you're the CEO, you can buy much higher priced goods. And if you're the college student, you can buy much lower priced goods, for example. And so I think that is a very misleading tweet because I think there's a world where for a lot of people, their data is more valuable and the cost to actually access that data should be much lower. But for you to have a functioning platform in the way that Facebook is, the majority of users, 90%, will have really no incentive to use that platform outside of the fact that it's good. It comes back to user experience, right? Like it's just not enough monetary value to make me want to use that or do these things. It's really the use case that I'm there for. And my point in Facebook is they won by building the best use case around social networking. They had a lot of competitors, but they nailed the use cases. Mm -hmm. The reason they were able to nail the use cases is because they make so much money they're able to reinvest that back into the platform. In a decentralized world where we have decentralized ownership and have the community and end users making that money, mm-hmm. how does a company like that earn enough profit or be profitable enough in the way that Facebook has been to like reinvest and continue to improve the platform the way it has done? Advertising is just such a good revenue model. Let me ask you a question. Are Google and Facebook better today with the level of advertising they have than they were 10 years ago with less advertising. No, the user experience is worse. That's my whole point. You're making this user experience argument and the original sin is the advertising business model. That is what's going on here. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say that the advertising business model is so powerful and works for all these users when it's actually degrading the user experience. It doesn't work for the users. It works for the companies. Like It builds these like companies that own portions of the internet because it's such a great financial model. What I'm saying is that in the future, we're going to have new financial models that are going to allow you to deliver really good user experience to the end user and monetize as whoever is running that infrastructure well. I think that's the point he was trying to make. That's the point Andreessen was trying to make, is that because we didn't have that in Web 1, we got to these models that Google and Facebook are using in Web 2. I'm just really curious to see what that will look like because I have not seen a good example. You and I use BitClat. It's the exact same as Twitter, but you get paid for people engaging with your tweets. And I'm pretty sure it's 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 not very popular anymore. And again, the reason is because Mm -hmm. the use case is worse than Twitter and the incentives are only applicable to a few or only meaningful to a Mm -hmm. few. So it's just not going to gain traction. I think that's a whole other topic, which is, I saw a really well-known investor on Twitter who's an investor in Web3. Who's building the Web3 version of Airbnb? I don't think that company needs to be built. I don't think we need to try to build Web2 companies in Web3. No, no. I Yes, this is, this is an important point. Like, we need to build new things. This is an important point. With new use cases that only Web3 can build and do a better job of. I don't think we have to have a Web3 version of Facebook, a Web3. Yeah, let's break this down. Let's talk about a topic you and I really care about that's really applicable to everybody listening in, in the marketing world. In marketing today, we actually have an open protocol that's available to us. It's called MTB. It's how we send emails. Right. And what's really interesting is SMTB is a Web 1 protocol one of, from the early days of the internet. And it was invented in that period of time that Andreessen calls the original sin of not baking money in. And so what happened to SMTP? It got overrun with spam. It got totally filled with spam to the point where if you are somebody who is running basically an email inbox company like Google with Gmail, for example, Gmail has completely redesigned the entire user interface to, to basically get rid of spam and unwanted marketing email, right? 
which is bananas. And so if you look at that, you're like, maybe we do need a better version of this. This doesn't make sense. And so then in the Web3 world, you've got a bunch of companies. A good example of one is called XMTP, which they're trying to build a protocol for how you message from one wallet to another wallet. And this is a really interesting example. The same thing as email, except with monetary permissioning that could be attached to it, or even any type of access permissioning. Like, You can only message somebody if they hold a certain token, certain NFT. Like there's a bunch of different ways that you could do that. And so when I think about marketing, we are going through this crisis of disconnection where it's harder and harder to reach our customers. And we need new ways. We need new channels. We need the next generation of the internet to help us do that. Do you think we're going to get it? Do you think things like wallet-to-wallet messaging, other things are going to come along and save us? Or do you think we're on this race against spam to the bottom? Marketing is an accelerant of changes in consumer behavior, right? Like email is a good example, right? When email first came out, I bet you people did not start by just sending email to each other, trying to promote things. Like email was a kind of Mm -hmm. tool that we used to communicate with each other. So consumer behavior had changed. Now we're actually online being able to communicate with each other over email versus traditionally send in letters or whatever we used to do. And marketing is then an accelerant of that consumer behavior change because it actually adds yes. the marketing layer on top of it and says, oh, you can use this in mass amounts of ways to reach people and mass amounts of people. And so I think that Web3 is going to usher in different ways that we can start to interact with our community. The wallet is a really good example. Yeah, it may feel like something we've done before, but that's still very different. I can actually connect with people within a a wallet. I can send contextual information based upon the things that they've done in their wallet because it's all in the blockchain. It's all transparent. That to me, if you think about a social network, you can build a social network by connecting wallets by the things that they have done and start to build smaller versions of online communities around wallets. Everything changes. Every every era brings in new ways for marketers to connect with their audience. I think the challenging thing right now is Web 2 is kind of, it's been won, right? The players, the large players in there have won Mm -hmm. their spaces, Google, Facebook, wherever they may be. And so you're limited by those platforms. And I don't think there's going to be anything new anytime soon. Like we've seen Clubhouse, it died pretty quickly. We've seen Twitter try to even launch Twitter spaces. They're starting to de-invest in that right now. So there's just the same stuff. And I think it's the same stuff because they've won those markets. And so Web3 is the opportunity to, to find new ways of reaching our audience, reaching our community. Okay, I have an idea. Let's play a game. And this game is keep build on or rebuild and let's take things that are in the current world that we use and decide whether we should they're great let's just keep them as is or they need rebuilt in the new future world of web3 because there's the core fundamental problems or build on which is the middle option which is hey they're doing some things and it could be made better if it intersected with some of this new technology and i think part of us doing this can actually help marketers and founders figure out what parts of web3 they may want to think about bringing into their web2 world or what are the places they may get impacted in soonest yes so i'll give you an example i'll do one to start like we'll talk about payments like i think payments is in a 
build on. We have a really great payments infrastructure, but it's bad at cross-border payments, taxation. There's a lot of things that are really hard to do, like reoccurring payments, really quick pay times, like instant transfers of funds and everything, that I think that we've solved a lot of problems in the Web3 cryptocurrency world that can come to how like businesses and consumers operate and pay for goods. So I would put that in the like square and build on camp. Like we've got some really good stuff. Let's build it and, and make it better. Kieran, what I want to ask you now is search. Like we've got Google. We use Google every day. Should we just leave Google alone and keep it going? Or do you think there's a better Google that needs to exist in this world? So th- I think this is one of the interesting ones because it's that, you know, the average user and user experience versus what we want. The average user, I think, is very happy with Google's ability to give back results is just Sometimes we take it for granted how insanely good it is. You can basically ask, like, <laughs> 99% of people's jobs is just asking Google how to do their job. <laughs> like, that, that's what doing your job is today, is just learning how to get Google to tell you how to do your job. I think So I think the average user is perfectly happy with Google and the user experience. I think yep. most people who use Google for marketing would like to see it disrupted in some way. Because it has too much of a monopoly over the results. And every time it has a bad quarter, oh, what's this? The three, the four extra paid results on the pages. Oh, this is Google's knowledge box is one of the most egregious things of all time, if you think about it. It scrapes your... It just scrapes, scraping other people's con and surfing ads around it. If you did this, this is, you would get delisted from their platform. We'd also go to jail. (laughs) Yeah. It's scraping your content and selling ads around it. That's what Google are doing. And they can do these things because they're a monopoly. And so I think it would be great for people and businesses who use Google or reliant on Google to promote their company and brands. Do I ever see it happening? No, I think they're use again, coming back to user experience, I think it's hard to ever see anything being a better user experience than Google is for the core functionality. Look, I love Google and I love the user experience and I don't see anything disrupting it. Are there some things that are a little egregious? Sure, but I think overall, like it's a good experience and I think we need. it's going to be a while before it needs to be I agree. reinvented. I agree. Facebook, you do. Oh, I'll do Facebook. Now that I got one for you. Yeah, I, th- I think social media needs to be reinvented. I, agree. I put it in the complete reinvent Agreed. camp. It needs to be like we need to get rid of the anonymity on social. It needs like we need to have much more accountability. We need to make it far less advertising dependent. The business model needs to change a ton. We need to give marketers like the right entry points into social media so that they can really be additive to the experience. I think some good marketers are really additive today. I think the majority of marketers are not additive to these platforms, unfortunately. And I think we could make some real platform changes to make it easier for all businesses to be more additive to the end consumer journey. And so I, on the Facebook side, I would do a complete, and I would say not just Facebook, I would say the social web, I think needs to be rebuilt for, it's it's not a slight against Facebook. It's more like the use cases of how we socialize, interact each other in the last 10 years need to evolve for how we're going to do the next 10 years. I agree. I think the social networks were great to just show us things that worked and did not work on scale. <laughs> like what mass amounts of scale to do, to see the things that would yes. work and not work when you connect that many humans together. I like the point that you made, which is these platforms were built for the way we interacted with each other 10 years ago, but people are now either brought up or that's part of their everyday life Mm -hmm. is interacting through these platforms. And I think it needs to be rethought and reimagined. And I think any business model 
that's built around consumer behavior and is relying on advertising in the way that social is not good for you know, the world long term. But it's also just coming back to yeah. marketers, like it's just hard to use these platforms outside of Facebook, but the others are all kind of like brand awareness and did they see my ad? It's just not contextual. Yeah. It's really hard for you to build your brand through social. They're very noisy. And I think being able to like interact with a smaller subset of those in a more contextual way would be great for every marketer. Okay, I could totally agree with you. I have one really fun one building on that like brand example that I want to close us out on for today's show. I, I've got it. I'm going to call it TV slash streaming, like video. Like it's a huge part of so many marketers' strategies, advertising on linear television or streaming tele- streaming video, YouTube, etc. Is it good? Are we happy with what video we have? Do we want it? Do we want to build upon what we have, or do we want to rebuild it? What do you think? If you have YouTube premium, it's good. If you have YouTube free, there's something <laughs> wrong with you. You're a sick person. You should upgrade. <laughs> I don't know. Anyone uses YouTube free? YouTube free oh my is God, it's horrible. 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 And I agree. It's a really good example of Google because over time, they've actually made it worse to try to create more friction. Can you remember like back in the day, yeah. you did, I didn't even know there was a premium version of YouTube. You, I was like, Yeah, I didn't even know there yeah, were ads yeah, on YouTube yeah. for a while. And now it's, geez. Look, I think, I think it's build on. I don't think it's reimagined. I think it works really well for a lot of cases, but can be better in, in others. I'm going to give you my hot take. I think I would maybe do a reimagine here. A video? A video. Wow. Because of the like discovery nature of it. Imagine if like we had a streaming service that was integrated with my wallet and to watch a certain show, I had to hold a, cor- hold a corresponding mm. token or something to have access to it. So instead of paying a subscription fee, I could hold this token, watch the show, and then resell my token. Oh, yes. The, the producer gets a big royalty on that resale. Everybody kind of wins. I like that. And at the same time, like you could do much more contextual advertising, marketing there. Like I actually think there is... A compelling case that if we took a dedicated hour, you and I could make a pretty interesting case on how you should rebuild video and especially like video targeting and advertising. I've said this. This is actually the perfect use case for Web3 that the debundling of streaming services has now reached the point where it's worse for the user. I think it starts off as good for the user and then it becomes worse for the it user. It is worse. I agree with that. And you need something to aggregate them back up where you can pay for a show by show across the different platforms. I don't want all of yes. these shows. I want this show. And your example of, I can just pay for them through the individual coin and then I can resell yes. that to someone else who wants to watch that show. And maybe that show has got popular. So if I'm an early adopter of that show and I was one of the first ones, because exactly. I don't get paid today to recommend you cool on Netflix. No, not at all. If I held the but if I held the coin and that show goes up and I was one of the early watchers. You would also promote that show in the early days, right? Because you'd be like, this is awesome. You gotta see it. Like it's it would change the behavior really dramatically. Yeah, I, it's a great example of wallet universal login creates many opportunities and ownership creates many opportunities to actually incentivize your community to be part of your success. And I think that incorporates both of those. 100 percent agree. Can I close out with one thing I didn't start with? Yeah. Please. Here's my hot take on humans and the way humans are living. I, I just <laughs> thought of it. You probably. <laughs> He's going to close out hot, everybody. Watch out. Stand back. I say you, you agree. I just struck me. This is a Euro, maybe a European thing, maybe some places in the States. We're just living life backwards. Like I wait all year and then take two weeks for holiday in the sun, right? Oh, like I can't wait to get to two. <laughs> yeah. Like we should be living in the sun and taking two weeks holidays to somewhere wintry. 
that is my I, that is my discovery over the weekend. Is like I'm telling you, living in the sun is the life hack. Does that, does that mean you're going to move to Miami? Yeah, they, I, I listened to all the All In Summit, and I I didn't know how low the tax rates were. It's very low. But yeah, so your life advice for people is spend more time in the sunshine. Ah, the sun, sun, fifty two weeks. Two weeks wintry, you'll appreciate the wintry part much more. I also love that you just added two more weeks in a year because you went 52 weeks and then two weeks. Extend the year by two more weeks and you'll be even happier. In all seriousness, thank you for indulging us on our walk into the future in Web3 today. Thank you to everybody listening. If you have questions about Web3, if you have ideas for future games or show topics, please leave us a review and comment on Apple Podcasts. We read all of those. We will give you a shout out. It will be amazing. And until next time, this is Mark. Against the grain. See you all soon.